Hello, and welcome into another episode of the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. I'm Matt Vincent, Editor-in-Chief of Data Center Frontier, and today I'm here with my colleague and editorial counterpart, uh, David Chernikoff, for another editor's uh, discussion-type uh, podcast. So, uh, welcome in, David. How are you doing? Okay, Matt. How are you feeling today? Doing all right. Um... So I thought today would be a good excuse for us to uh, recount the uh, the top five data center industry stories uh, as uh, reported on by uh, Data Center Frontier for for Q4. You, you know we're uh, we're through our earnings calls, uh, largely a lot of big earnings calls for Q4, and uh, so I it's just a good excuse to uh, go in and uh, round up. Um, what our top five uh, stories were for uh, the last quarter of uh, last year and uh, to talk about them uh, really for uh, implications uh, for this year because they're all, uh, you know, very germane to the uh, world of the data center that we're currently still in right now. So <clears throat> I'll just take it from the top. The top story from that period of time, David, from uh, October 1 through December 31 of last year, was uh, Rich Miller's story about Dominion Energy, Dominion Virginia data center cluster could double in size, is the uh, headline of the story. And uh, the uh, subject of the story is how Dominion, Dominion Energy has said that it has customer contracts that could double the amount of data center capacity in Virginia by 2028. You know, Virginia's already the uh, far and away the uh, cloud computing uh, leader uh, of the world. So uh, to hear that uh, Dominion has received customer orders that could double the amount of data center capacity in in, in Virginia by 2028 to uh, to 10, you know, with a projected size of 10 gigawatts by 2035. Um, you know, I think a lot of people uh, sat up and paid attention to the facts as they were uh, laid out in that article. Uh, obviously, the big uh, point of that article being that it's uh, the uh, transmission lines uh, that are, uh, you know, that there's going to be uh, a lot more of. But, uh, and we talked about that uh, story, of course, with Rich uh, on the podcast. But uh, just going back to it, you know, there's we, we never stop talking about Northern Virginia as being the uh, world's uh, leading uh, data center market. I don't know, David, if you saw that graphic that's out there online. I've linked to it in a couple articles, but it um, it uh, visualizes uh, the data from uh, I don't know if it's Cushman and Wakefield or, or JLL or one of the other ones, but. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there's always, there's always a lot to say and write about uh, Northern Virginia. But um, any reflections on that story uh, as being one of the top ones of, uh, or the top story of, of Q4 and uh, further reflections? Well, the main being so all in, apparently, in this, it certainly sounds like they now have the opportunity to address that power transmission issue, with at least within their area of service and i'd love to see them actually start announcing you know that they're going to be upgrading the entire transmission infrastructure even if it's only within their area of service because we got to start someplace 
I mean, it makes it very clear. I mean, it's very clear that the the demand for power is outstripping our ability to deliver it. Now we've 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 talked a lot about um, you know new ways to generate power. Um, we've talked about you know the the existing nuclear power infrastructure, uh, the the existing you know coal and gas natural gas fired uh, generation plants, but nobody stepped up yet and said, okay, we're going to even if it's in that limited geographic area, you know, update our transmission capabilities. So I guess that's sort of what I'm I'm waiting to hear from Dominion is how they're going to actually deliver that capacity. Right. Well, we'll be here to uh, look into it. I feel like, uh, you know, obviously within the constraints of a uh, podcast right now, I can't go uh, diving into uh, Google right away, but I we could almost uh, spend the whole podcast uh, talking about that. But sure. alas, we'll uh, move on to the second top story of Q4, uh, in terms of uh, stories that Data Center Frontier covered. And it was the story about Microsoft unveiling custom designed data center AI chips, racks, and liquid cooling. At, at Microsoft Ignite, uh, the company unveiled uh, two yeah. custom designed AI chips and associated integrated systems, including racks and also liquid cooling. So this story seems to me kind of emblematic of a big trend in the data center industry that's happening right now, which is that, you know, the, the cloud giants and, and you know, even whole, large wholesale operators are now, you know, in it to uh, come out with their own uh, AI chips. And, uh, you know, they, they everybody seems to be uh, scoring away their own systems uh, for what they're going to have for liquid cooling and how they're going to uh, accommodate the demand. So, uh, you know, what what can you say about this uh, story, David? This Microsoft. Well, story? certainly, it certainly seems like there's a real push now to deliver a turnkey solution from from every vendor. They want to have. They want to be able to uh, sell to their customers a a single a single vendor solution where I don't have to go and build or put the pieces together to come up with my own uh, AI data center architecture or, or data center rack architecture. I can just go to Microsoft, say I need Azure AI layout. Uh, I need to be able to support X amount of capacity. And here's the box. Here's, here, here it is. It's a single a single throat to choke. Um, and I think we're starting to see that a lot now. Uh, you know, NVIDIA is working with a lot of different people. And they actually, I'm working on a story right now that includes something about their their new announcement with uh, uh, Cisco, where where they've they're even working with Cisco to build a turnkey AI solution that uses Cisco's networking and and Cisco Cisco infrastructure components as opposed to their own that are part of the DGX environment for for NVIDIA data center uh, AI servers. <laughs> But the whole point being is that all of these vendors, all these major vendors want to be able to be that single throat to choke for their customers and be able to deliver that turnkey AI solution. So I think that the Microsoft one is, is a really good example because people don't think Microsoft when they think um, AI hardware. But I think this, you know, but now they can because we, have, we haven't seen a whole lot of testing yet. We haven't seen a lot of, you know, third party results or anything. But the point being, 
is that AI will be able, will be a solution that Microsoft can offer for you. And I think that's the way the industry is going. Not, not one specific vendor, but multiple vendors being able to offer the turnkey solution to their customers. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, we know from, uh, you know, just reading about Microsoft that they are really uh, sort of uh, in it uh, to to uh, win it uh, with, uh, you know, the, the AI um, offering uh, stuff. Uh, really, uh, you know, I was reading uh, an article in Wired magazine that was recounting the whole uh, history of, uh, you know, up, up to and including their uh, in, huge investment in open AI and how their CEO now is positioning them. But if we were going to do like some kind of a horse race uh, analysis of like, you know, the the big four uh, cloud giants, I mean, because so we have this, you know, this Microsoft story that we're talking about here is one of the top five of, of uh, DCF stories of Q4. But then, you know, we always have to talk about Meta because Meta in in some ways, um, you know, it was way back, you know, n- more than a year ago, right, that we were talking about their, you know, their new data center design, you know, based on liquid cooling for AI. And then there's, uh, you know, we've, 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 we've done, you know, similar coverage for, uh, for Google and uh, AWS, but if we were going to try to have some sort of mini uh, horse race uh, lens, uh, what, what's your perception of where each of the uh, big uh, four uh, stands? Uh, I know it's a lot to ask, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 on just uh, off the cuff. But uh, if we're if we're talking about these types of uh, offerings for Microsoft, Meta, Google, and and AWS, you know, any any further reflections on you know even maybe for directions well, where our our coverage should be going. Um, if you think about it, it's not that you can drop uh, Meta out of that, but Meta also has their their huge involvement in 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 um, the the virtual reality, the artificial reality market, which they seem to be growing back now, um, especially in light of Apple's recent release. So a lot of their effort is, is focused in that area, whereas the other three players are for, are all focused on delivering AI capabilities to their customers. Uh, and of course, from any of those vendors, from any of the top top three hyperscalers, you can get any of the major AI solutions right now. Uh, now grant, well, within within reason, you can't go to Microsoft and say, I'd like an ADS deployment, please, an AWS deployment or, or a Microsoft deployment from AWS. But the point being is that you can get NVIDIA um, AI capabilities from each of those vendors, as well as their own AI. And, and while AWS has been a little quiet about it, that Google has been very uh, forthcoming about their, their AI developments. We just talked about Microsoft. So I think that it's going to be, really, for the most part, people aren't going to change their cloud provider, or their cloud hyperscaler of choice right now. And for the immediate future, they're going to see how the dedicated AI plays out, um, where they can get resources that they need. Uh, going back to you know power availability, transmission capabilities, where their you know edge computing, where they need to deliver their AI solutions. So I think it's a th- it literally it literally is a three horse race there with Meta keeping everybody on their toes. Interesting. Uh, thanks for that. You know this is. Uh good uh grist uh for the mill so 
back to our top five stories of Q4, the uh, third one in this uh, in this lineup is um, it was Rich Miller's uh, eight trends that will shape the data center industry in 2023 article. You know, our perennial article uh, this year we have uh, we've called it eight themes, but uh, but I thought the interesting thing about this uh, eight trends uh, that'll shape the data center industry for 2023 article being one of the top articles of Q4 is uh, just how uh, evergreen uh, those trends uh, found actually, uh, even even for this year. You know, uh, at number one, uh, Rich had supply and demand meets constraints and delays. I mean, an argument could be made that we're still in that world. I, you know, with a heavy emphasis on uh, power. Um, and then number two at the top of that was generative AI tools uh, emerges game changers. Uh, you know, I feel like we're still in that generative AI moment, uh, really. I mean, what do you think? We're, de we're definitely, I don't think generative AI has reached its stride yet. Um, too many people still think of generative AI as, you know, chat GPT, whereas, we're seeing what a type of AI can do for other applications. And that's where it's going to become a major player. That's where it's really going. I mean, it's already impacting people's people's plans and stuff. But when as we see AI move into everything from, from architectural planning to operations management to you know DCIM, it's going to change the way things work. And I think that's going to we're going to start to see a huge amount of that appear now this year in 2024 and i think that that that, that will be the we think the meat of the ai future i think there so yes uh we, we got the we got a taste of it in 2023 but i think 2024 is where we're going to hit the meat yeah and then going down right down the list of uh, the eight trends for 2023 now we're in 2024 but it was the data center industry con confronts its PR problems uh, still going on, you know, it's safe to say, you know, that's that's also a story uh, for this year. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's it's there and uh, we, we, we have an industry organization focused on it, but it, it people it's still not top of mind for, for a lot of people in the industry and it really needs to be right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just thought that one of the amazing ones uh, was, you know, I mean, the big one, you know, that we covered, you know, the PW uh, Digital uh, Gateway, uh, you know, they had that, you know, approval uh, vote uh, at the tail end of last year after the marathon, you know, 27 hour meeting or however long it was. And, uh, you know, it's still going on. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, the, I don't think anyone said that the hurdle has been uh, re-replaced uh, on that particular vote, but it's like, uh, you know, that was just a, uh, I, I want to, I, I don't want to say a microcosm because that's not the, the it, it exemplified really, uh, you know, the types of uh, PR problems. Uh, it's such a Northern Virginia uh, story uh, too. Well, um, and I, I think quantum loop and, and the issue with the line really moved that to to, Mar to Maryland as well. Oh moved, yeah, moved a little further north. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess the uh, quantum loophole is uh, going to get it done up there. But uh, yeah. Um. So I don't know if we need to uh, recap every single one of the eight trends. Uh, 
Number four was going waterless uh, everywhere you can. Uh, I was just kind of covering that recently. That's a fascinating uh, still uh, area of uh, inquiry talking about uh, the uh, um, hybrid cooling, you know, for, 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 uh, for AI, bringing in the liquid. What do you think about that? Well, it, it's, I think that um, liquid cooling in general moved to the front a lot faster than most people thought it was going to. Yeah. All, all of a sudden, you know, we, we, yeah, there, there's hybrid, there's there's more efficient water for usage things. Uh, there's other different technologies, better chillers, better, you know, the issues with HFCs and affecting that. And then all of a sudden, all we're talking, all we're hearing about is we have a new technology for cooling using less water, or we have a new immersion technology, or we have a new um, direct-to-chip technology. And so these companies are starting to acquire each other as suddenly they're they're the darlings of the industry. And everybody's looking for an efficient, a water-efficient way of, of cooling their data centers. Yes. Um, just to, you know, quickly uh, get a, get us out of this, but to, to make, uh, you know, to make the point about the uh, the trends forecast for even, you know, the previous year of where we are now, um, it, it was uh, number five on the, on that particular trends list was uh, for hungry hyperscalers. It's it's a year to digest. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, that's uh, still going on. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, obviously the point of that uh, that one on that list was uh, about hyperscale operators uh, maybe leasing less space in 2023 and, uh, you know, huge deals for pre-leasing. We're still seeing that, you know, all the time. Uh, TA Realty in, uh, in uh, Leesburg, Virginia was one that we just wrote about. I mean, um, I, 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 jump in here anytime. I, I, I think I think that then the rich was basing this on you know the previous behavior of the industry. I mean, yeah, he yeah. mentions that that what what happened in the past, and I think it's it's been less of a digestion year than a refocusing year because the implementation of AI suddenly meant all of a sudden more capacity was needed and more power and the ability to deliver more things to the customer. Um, people weren't in a position to say hold on, we're going to take a step back and see how we should best do this. Everybody just started delivering things. So, yeah. I mean, it was like, we need we need, to, we need, need to have our name out there, so we better deliver whatever AI capability this is. We need to be involved in that AI announcement or whatever it might be. Right. And that, I think that changed this one particular one, that they weren't able to take that step, that time to digest. And I think that just that, that urgency is going to continue through 2024. And I think it'll be 2025 if we, before we see that sort of that sort of slacking off on uh, on building something new, getting getting ready to do something great, you know, with unless some major change like AI comes along again, and then they're back on the edge again, trying to keep up with everybody else. We're trying to stay slightly ahead of everybody else. Yeah, great points. And uh, you know, the last uh, word that you spoke there takes me to uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about it was number six on rich's 2023 trend trends list but secondary markets continue to boom from the cloud to the edge i mean the secondary market story is still going on i mean you know i i, I mean for i don't know how long you want to peg it for the rest of the decade but we could you know right here on my desk you know i'm trying the next thing to write will be about 
uh, stuff that is happening in uh, more in Reno, Nevada, and Utah, and uh, Mississippi. You know, AWS is in Mississippi now. Google is in Mississippi. Indiana, we've seen. Uh, I think we have to redefine the secondary market. Yeah, I mean, you know, we used to think of places like 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 Phoenix and Atlanta and 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 uh, Illinois and Indiana as as you know. Mm, not a bad place to put your new data center. There's there all the facilities are there. It's like, well, okay, everybody took their advice and and they've already built a bunch of data centers in those locations. So now they're the new centers of of data center design and, and implementation. Um, and not that Northern Virginia isn't still the leader for the, the you know the capacity and quantity, but these what, what were formerly secondary locations are now, you know, what, what's what's whatever comes between secondary and primary. There's got to be there they're, they've trapped up the scale there. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I guess what we in the past would have considered tertiary locations or just weird out of the way places um, that would have mainly only gotten an edge data center in the past are now getting full scale, you know, full power, state of the art. We're, same thing you would deliver to a location in Atlanta or Phoenix. You're now getting in Indiana. Yeah. Uh, and, and, that, and that's and that's the change is that the, uh, the secondary data market locations, secondary data center locations have now moved up to a, a more 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 like a primary location for data center development right and uh you mentioned edge you know uh one one thing that i thought was interesting in coming up with this list because i was looking at our analytics and um our uh edge uh you know channel of uh coverage on data center frontier actually came in at i think it was the top 15 uh you know the 15th top uh item uh looked at uh, on the site and um you know i wonder if people are thinking more about the edge uh in the context of the ai discussion you know because the more we talk about you know the different things uh, with uh, ai um it seems like you know and and others have written that you know ai com computing could could definitely live at the edge even though uh, i think you know a lot of the investment uh Right now that we're seeing is, is stuff that's happening, you know, at the at the level of, you know, in the cage. And it, but, uh, you know, I, I think there there might be a real opportunity uh, with uh, edge, uh, you know, micro data center stuff for AI and that people are uh, anticipating. What do you think? I, th I think it's a it's a combination of that. And um, and probably I think we, we were talking to us to I might have one of one of one of the one of your recent uh, discussions we were talking about. Uh, you know, workload repatriation being a big issue too, is that people are trying to don't want their data in a distant cloud somewhere. They want it kept locally. And to, so that means they need edge data centers where their businesses are located to keep that data. Pardon me. And so I think it's a combination of factors that are that are really increasing the interest in, in the whole edge data center market and the scale where, yeah, it might be a micro data center or it might be a full a full-blown you know, data center facility, but people are more interested in bringing data and, and and application capabilities like AI closer to where their businesses are. Absolutely. Um, not to uh, just uh, race away uh, from your point, but just uh, just in the interest of uh, getting through this, uh, you know, the next thing on that 2023 uh, uh, trends list was uh, more data centers embracing on-site power generation i mean that's an evergreen trend for this year i mean I, yeah we 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 we've talked we've talked a lot about stuff i did a special report for color yeah. um 
they're they're they data centers you know they they're they power is being held over their heads right now and while they're while data center industry is strictly a consumer of power that means the utilities have more control over what they can actually do but when they become a partner in delivering power when they're when there's microgrids deployed when there's on-site generation capabilities where they're able to take some of that load when the local utilities are are, are being beat on heavily in in bad weather or uh, temperature situations then the work with the the utilities becomes more of a a one-to-one -one partnership and i think the data centers would love to be in that position right and then just uh wrapping that up uh from the uh, Rich's uh, Trends article from 2023, pulling it up into the present. He had rethinking churn, a problem becomes an opportunity and talking about, uh, you know, vacant white space. Uh, you know, I, I, I've i seen that one in action just from data center tours I've taken, you know, recently from this fall up until just last week. You know, I mean, they, yeah, you know, the, they'll have vacant, uh, you know, white space in there, but it's, uh, you know, the next customer is uh, on its way uh in to all of that it seems like uh but i, I don't know if you want to put in uh, a note no, on at that point just not that, that yeah the traditional churn model isn't there anymore i mean i think that's yeah. what you're saying as well you know it, 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 there, there's too much of a demand yeah so it's a good problem to have i guess uh for data centers in this industry so um okay so now we can go back to uh the last two stories on our uh top five stories of q4 last year so the the fourth uh, most popular one was this uh story that we had about google uh now reducing energy use during local power emergencies yep um where google shared details of its new demand response system designed to reduce the energy use of data centers in times of local power emergencies a lot of people were interested in that story um, it kind of builds off their uh, their uh, load management uh, system uh, that they had earlier for data centers. But, it, you know, it connects to something that I just read in the news today, which is um, Duke Energy. You know that story I'm talking about doing kind of a, yep. a, a similar thing. So reflections on that. We can see why that was a popular story in Q4. I, I think that, um, it, it, you know, it's part of that of that piece where work you know it's, it's not just reducing power when on demand when 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 there's you know being able to uh power your data centers you know you know like they say um the industry well not the industry there's there's a, there's a there's a regionally wide demand for regional wide demand for power the data centers are able to reduce their power usage by 10 percent by doing x um but what they also have to be able to do, and for the data center side, is they're going to start moving into you know workload management and workload placement, so that if I can move a workload from a data center that's in 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 Dallas, and I have a I have a power problem issue there right now, I've got to got to reduce my power utilization. If I can move that workload to one in in Loudoun County, then I probably should, and I I have to start putting my workloads um, in places where. The, they can respond to those kinds of demands. I mean, obviously, some some types of uh, workloads you can't move around like that, but those that can are going to need to be shut down or be not shut down, but or be designed to be moved. Um, when you're doing that big, large language model uh, AI application, well, 
probably you can turn it off or turn it way down for a long period of time without really impacting your business. Your inference model needs to stay up so that you can still sell other items to your customers. But if you reduce the speed of that inference model 10%, who's going to notice? So there's it's it's that whole picture of having power, using power responsibly, and putting workloads where they can be most efficiently powered. Yeah. Good. Good analysis of the case, I would say. So, uh, just to wrap up here, the uh, the fifth uh, top article for Q four for uh, Data Center Frontier was this uh, story that you wrote about the Cloudflare outage, plenty of blame to go around. And uh, it's kind of a famous uh, story now. I mean, I've uh, had conversations in data centers uh, on tours about uh, uh, about this uh, with, uh, with the fellows who were working yeah, uh, in the data centers. As much as I hate to say this, as long as I have been in the industry, and I don't just mean the data center industry, but writing about business technology, I've been writing this fundamentally the same story, some version of this story. You don't have reliable backup unless you've tested everything. I know yeah. I'm not, that that sounds silly, but that was effectively the case here. Was they fell into a situation that they hadn't tested, and there may have been some other issues involved. With, with, I don't, do we ever resolve whether or not the uh, the local utility was causing a problem? I don't think so. But the uh, you know the fundamental issue was we hadn't tested for this condition, and it bit us in the butt. <laughs> That's. A, Unless you test your 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 resiliency that way, eventually you're going to get caught out, and that's what happened to Cloudflare. Yeah, it was. Uh, if you when you read about when you read their blog and and you read about how it unfolded and uh, the different reasons that the data center operator, it was kind of like a perfect uh, storm thing. I think that's why it drew so much attention. Also, because it was just such a, you know, when you hear that, you know, everything went out you know it was both utility right. feeds all the generators that burned through the battery backup that's what uh that's what they were talking about uh and cloud and cloudflare has a, had a high profile or has a high profile because they're doing a lot of stuff out there so yeah. the average the average user was could have been impacted easily so i think yeah. i think that's what, what made it such a such a major story but yeah i mean yeah it was definitely a perfect storm but that's why you plan for that yeah yeah i can't uh argue with that